Mormonism 101, a book by Mormonism Research Ministries, Bill McKeever and Eric Johnson, has helped many who want to understand what separates Mormonism from the Christian faith. Mormonism 101 is available at your favorite Christian bookstore or online at mrm.org. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. With me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We continue looking at a talk that was given by President Russell M. Nelson. It can be found in the May edition of Ensign Magazine for 2019. Starting on page 88, it was a talk he gave in General Conference in April of 2019 titled, Come, Follow Me. And as we've been mentioning earlier in this week, he gets this message from a question that was asked of a young police officer that he claimed he talked to following that tragic fire in Paradise, California, back in November of 2018. This policeman was talking about how he was evacuating all these families, but yet he had to ask himself, where is my family? And that is the question that he uses to segue into the spiritual message, encouraging members of the LDS Church to ask themselves, where is your family in the scheme of eternity? Is your family going to be gathered together in safety in the celestial kingdom? But in order to have that kind of safety, there are certain things that the individual member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint must do, and that's what he is talking about. It's not just something that comes automatically. So we are going through what Nelson thinks is important if a Mormon hopes to be with their family throughout eternity. On page 90 in this edition of Ensign, Nelson talks about the anguish that he claims in his heart for the many people whom he says he loves, whom he admires, and whom he respects, who have declined this invitation to do what is necessary in order to be with their family. He says they have chosen not to make covenants with God. They have not received the ordinances that will exalt them with their families and bind them together. And he says, I love them and I come to recognize how covenant-keeping women and men can receive a fullness of joy. And of course, he's lamenting that they will not have this fullness of joy, which is equated with being with their families, if they do not make and keep the necessary covenants that the Mormon church imposes upon its members, the repentance of their sins, never to repeat those sins again, and, of course, to keep all of the commandments. Then what does he say? They need to understand that while there is a place for them hereafter, with wonderful men and women who also chose not to make covenants with God, that is not the place where families will be reunited and be given the privilege to live and progress forever. That is not the kingdom where they will experience the fullness of joy, of never-ending progression and happiness. Those consummate blessings can come only by living in an exalted celestial realm with God, our eternal Father, His Son, Jesus Christ, 
and our wonderful, worthy, and qualified family members. Now, let me just add here that I, I know that they always talk about being with God the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ, in eternity in the celestial kingdom. But really, how does that work? Because Mormons are also told that if they qualify for the celestial kingdom, they're also going to be rewarded with their own world that they will rule over and populate. How can they be present with Heavenly Father and Jesus the Son when they're off on their own world? I mean, we don't ever hear anything in Mormon scriptures or even in Mormon teachings where God the Father, Heavenly Father, is somehow in personal relationship or in touch with his Savior, with his eternal Father. We don't hear anything like that. So they throw that in here as if this sounds very similar to what Christians have believed, but it doesn't seem to work out when you look at all the details. And going back to what Jeffrey Holland said that I mentioned earlier in the week about it wouldn't be heaven without his family, if Jeffrey Holland knows what Nelson says right here, that the Godhead will be present, how come Holland never mentions that he looks forward to being with the Godhead in the next life? And how come Nelson doesn't mention the Holy Ghost? That's a great question, too. I mean, you're going to be with two-thirds of the Godhead, but you're not even, according to this, you're going to be with God, our eternal Father, his, his Son, Jesus Christ, and your family. Nelson then talks about that passage in the New Testament where Jesus talks about there being many mansions in his Father's house. What does he say about that? He said, the Savior said, in my Father's house are many mansions. However, as you choose not to make covenants with God, you are selling for a most meager roof over your head throughout all eternity. Wow, a meager roof over your head through all eternity. And notice, it's all on you to make sure you qualify in order to receive anything but this meager roof over your head. But then he gives some instruction as to what can be done. He talks about pouring out your heart to God and asking him if these things are true. Then he throws out what I kind of take as a threat to every member who's listening to this message after he talks about studying. He says... If you truly love your family, and if you desire to be exalted with them throughout eternity, pay the price now through serious study and fervent prayer to know these eternal truths, and then to abide by them. Not just to make the covenants, but to abide by them. And I think that is sometimes ignored by many faithful Latter-day Saints. They know they've all made the covenants. They make a covenant every week when they partake of the sacrament that they're going to keep all the commandments, but it's in keeping them. You're going to abide by them. That's what makes it efficacious. It's not just making the promise and then breaking the promise. Spencer Kimball, the 12th president of the church, referred to such members as covenant breakers, and he didn't have a lot of good things to say about covenant breakers in his book, The Miracle of Forgiveness. But then Russell M. Nelson talks about this dear friend of his who he said had limited experiences with God. One such dear friend of mine had limited experiences with God, but he longed to be with his departed wife, so he asked me to help him. I encouraged him to meet with our missionaries in order to understand the doctrine of Christ and learn of the gospel covenants, ordinances, and blessings. And I'm going to stop right there for a minute, Bill, and just say a dear friend of his has this limited experience with God, and he has missionaries go visit them instead of just telling him himself. So I find that to be interesting. But regardless, he goes on and he says, so he did. But he felt the course they advised would require him to make too many changes in his life. He said, quote, those commandments and covenants are just too difficult for me. 
Also, I can't possibly pay tithing, and I don't have time to serve in the church, end quote. Then he asked me, once I die, please do the necessary temple work for my wife and me so that we can be together again. Thankfully, I am not this man's judge, but I do question the efficacy of proxy temple work for a man who had the opportunity to be baptized in this life, to be ordained to the priesthood, and receive temple blessings while here in mortality, but who made the conscious decision to reject that course. So he's not giving the hope that this kind of an individual, even though some Mormon would be kind enough perhaps later on to do temple work on his behalf, not even Nelson has the confidence that that individual is going to be with his wife or be with his family in the next life. And that goes along with what we read earlier when we read from Joseph Fielding Smith, who said that those who convert after this lifetime will not receive the celestial exaltation that faithful Mormons will receive if they do everything they're supposed to do. Because they rejected the opportunity after hearing about Mormonism during this mortal probation. You see, you cannot depend, according to Mormonism, on having that kind of a change of heart later on after you die and then think you're going to get celestial exaltation. It doesn't work that way in Mormonism. Really, baptism for the dead is more for those who had never heard about Mormonism during their mortality, but would have embraced it had they heard about Mormonism. It's not supposed to benefit those who had heard and rejected. You cannot be exalted after accepting it in the spirit world, or spirit prison, as it's called in Mormonism. Here's a quote from Ezra Taft Benson, the 13th president of the church. He said, We go to our chapels each week to worship the Lord and renew our covenants by partaking of the sacrament, which is what they do weekly with the bread and water. We thereby promise to take his name upon us to always remember him and keep all his commandments. Our agreement to keep all the commandments is our covenant with God. Only as we do this may we deserve his blessings and merit his mercy. Phil, you have said many times that that term, merit his mercy, is like fingernails on a chalkboard that just is, uh, it's, it's a horrible thing because mercy is not to be merited. Some, mercy is something that is given. To be quite honest, Eric, that's a, a ridiculous statement on the part of Ezra Taft Benson. To say that you must merit mercy is just ridiculous. If you merited such mercy, it's not mercy any longer. Because mercy must be unmerited. That's what makes it what it is. But you're right. He's making it very clear that when a Latter-day Saint goes to church on Sunday and partakes of the sacrament, they're not just vowing to keep covenants and, and commandments. They're vowing to keep all of the covenants and all of the commandments. Basically, what the church does is it makes every single member lie to themselves every time they partake of the sacrament. Because I, I know myself, if I did this every single week, there would become a time in my life where I would be asking, I've never done this yet. Do I really think I'm going to do it in the future? Despair might be the word we would come up with, because you throw your hands up in the air and you know you can't do it. But what was the purpose of Russell M. Nelson's talk, Come Follow Me? The purpose is making covenants, but that's not where it stops. It's keeping the covenants is what's going to get you exaltation, eternal increase, eternal life, whatever you want to use as a term to describe this condition. And as he says, the second to last paragraph, this is his command, 
Do the spiritual work to find out for yourselves, and please do it now. Time is running out. I think, Bill, that perhaps what this is saying is that the people of this church need to quit talking the game. They need to actually play the game by doing what they're supposed to do. And we've been making that point all week. The leaders have talked about this over and over again. So for a Latter-day Saint to come up to us and say, it's by grace and, you know, I'm not perfect, but maybe after I die, I'm going to be able to attain that status. It's not good enough. You have to do it now. That's why I think in this talk, he seems to be really concerned for a lot of Latter-day Saints who may not take the commandments very seriously. And it's interesting how he says, please do it now. As you said, time is running out. Whether he's referring to the second coming or not, we don't know. But definitely we don't know when our life will end. And I think it goes back to what we discussed earlier in the week, that according to the Mormon leadership, this mortal probation is when all this is supposed to be done. But yet when you talk to lay members of the church, they somehow have this impression that if they don't meet all the requirements during this mortality, they can make up for lost time in the next life. I don't get that impression from what Russell M. Nelson is saying in this talk here. The point that we're trying to make, folks, is Russell M. Nelson knows very well that there are certain requirements that must be made if a Mormon hopes to be with their family members. And it's not just something that comes automatically with membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.